The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, record And we're live. It is Friday, May 20th. 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Mina, you are now understanding how even after 637 episodes of In Lua Fun, we still have tech problems because we have no producers and no type of like real organization besides me and Ben to basically organize this entire thing. Um, we're, we're working on that. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a solution. Um, ben is getting headphones and we're going to be okay in a second. But Mina, thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you, so you are a research fellow um, at an institute that I've never heard of. Um, so you'll have to forgive me, but can you explain what it is exactly that um, that, that research institute does and like where your area of expertise comes from? Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks a lot for inviting me tonight. Uh, as yeah, you know, like it's uh, it's uh, 12 a.m. in Finland right now. Um, actually, uh, Ben promised you that it will be still daylight, but unfortunately, it's uh, it's not a sunny night today. Also, we're still like a month to go till midsummer, so actually, uh, the sun still does go down right now. So, what, what when did it when? When did it go down and when does it come up? Like yeah. just uh, some minutes ago, I think, or maybe half an hour ago. And it comes back up like at uh, 2.30 or 3 a.m. So this is like so this <laughs> the is... only time of the night. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. taking away your entire exactly. night here. Exactly. But Ben, can so... I like, I'm really, really sorry about this. But for one second, Ben, can we have a conversation about the fact that like when I visited in Sweden, my relatives in Sweden in like, in june of like 2018 that i experienced this for the first time and it is like truly in insane like it is like actually very hard as a person who is used to a to like kind of a semi-normal like not normal but like in the bandwidth of like kind of like where most people in the world live type of <laughs> type of organization of your life around like having a sense from like looking outside and being able to understand what time of day it is, how bizarre it is to actually have this all the time. Like, I, I mean, I really found it to be like, I don't know. I like really wonder if there isn't some type of like neurological and cultural kind of shift in like, in the psyche from like having totally like right? that's what makes the fin so weird right uh, like it's very extreme i mean like, i wasn't we, gonna we say really that been... are you allowed to say that <laughs> of course of course like the finnish humor is very black uh, very self-ironic so uh just just go ahead um yeah basically these extreme climatic conditions make us uh, the way we are like next to the geopolitical <laughs> conditions <laughs> under which we live so, yeah, I mean, especially at the Arctic Circle from where I'm speaking right now, um, we have the polar night and the polar day. And right now we're going towards the polar day when the sun doesn't go down. And uh, during the, the winter, it's like tough as well because the sun comes up for only a couple of hours. Um, on the other hand, we have so much snow that it makes it less depressing. And there are like all kinds of pastel colors on the on the sky when it's light. So but I was actually I totally diverted from the, from your question. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. This um, was amazing. I actually just kind of, I was like, it's actually kind of just, sorry, we don't have any like agenda ever on in lieu of fun. Well, we so, do like, today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so right. I, so you are at a German think tank. Exactly. You I have am... a Swedish name and but you're I'm Finnish. <laughs> exactly. Cool. It's very confusing. That's so great. Exactly. So I've been uh, living and working like I was like first studying in Germany and then I've like just ended up kind of staying there. Like don't ask why. I don't know either. Um, but I've been there for 10 years now and I'm working at the German Institute for International and uh, Security Affairs in Berlin. 
in the EU and Europe research division, actually as a research assistant still, uh, but um, somehow like now that all this like Finland, Sweden, NATO topic kind of like fell into my lap. Um, yeah, uh, that's yes. basically the reason why I'm, I'm doing this now. Um, because I have, I, I happen to have the like language uh, skills needed to follow the debates in both countries. Yeah. So you're, you, you have Swedish, I take it, as well as yeah. as well as Finnish. Yeah, Swedish is actually the second official language of Finland uh, because we used to be a part of uh, Sweden, the Swedish kingdom, for like several hundred years before becoming a part of uh, Russia and then finally gaining independence. Um, so there's a lot of history there with both uh, neighbors and uh, we have a very sizable uh, Swedish-speaking minority in Finland. Uh, so and we all have to learn Swedish, like whether we like it or not. <laughs> and are you part of the Swedish-speaking minority? Is that why you have a, a, a Swedish name? Actually, no. Um, and it's also totally unrelated to the Åland Islands that actually, like, I mean, it means someone from, from the Åland Islands, but I, I have never been there actually yet. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I just assumed you were an Ålander. <laughs> How do you pronounce the A with the umlaut with the the the, the circle with the, over with the, it? Yeah, it's it's uh, the circle kind of like hints at it being actually an O. <laughs> That's the Swedish O. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Because the Swedes uh, pronounce the O in a weird way. So yeah. Very cool. So you are are you living now back up in your hometown, or are you just there visiting? I'm just visiting here right now. So I'm still in Berlin, like normally. I gotcha. Would be there. Yeah. All right. So we have big news. Wait, wait. First, before we do this, can I just, um, Mina, I'm going to be in Hamburg in a couple of in a couple of weeks. Do you want to come and hang out with me? And talk when about, exactly are you going to be there? Um, I'll like text you the exact dates, but like, yeah. Uh, anyways, maybe it would be it would be fun. Sorry. Maybe be yeah, sure. Like out. I would Sorry. love to. Like if, yeah. if if I'll be in Germany at the time, I have some other gigs coming up as well. But um, cool. Do let me well, know. We'll text yeah. about it. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Ben. Okay, sure. So there has. A, which dog shirt is it today? By the way, ben? it is the I Mastiff shirt day. Mastiff shirt day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there has been. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like once every three generation news now. Uh, the two two of the most famously non-aligned countries are now petitioning for NATO membership, um, and you guys are not going to have any gas as of tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> although you told me not to not that nobody's worried about it or panicking. So the first question I have, but literally not gas. Like it's not like just gas for like the gas for like the thing. It's like a literal like where you're not going to have petroleum. No, no, ga uh, natural no, no gas. natural gas. Yeah. yeah. And just uh, Russian natural gas. We will have other sources, of course. <laughs> I just want to like point out for yeah. everyone who's going to say this in the comments that I did know that that's what Ben was saying, but I was trying to make a joke on the, <laughs> on the pun of you're going to run out of gas for your, for your, for your bid for NATO. So like, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I see. Uh, I didn't get that. Um, so first of all, um, Give us a sense of, of, uh, you know, Finnish-Russian relations at this point. Um, there was some anxiety earlier on about Finland as a possible uh, uh, area of escalation on the part of the Russians. This does not seem to be happening. How, how do you understand the Russian posture toward Finland right now? Well, basically, of course, the, the Finnish-Russian relations have absolutely hit rock bottom, but that has nothing to do uh, with the Finnish-NATO membership bit. Uh, it has to do with the Russian war of aggression in Ukraine. So that's that's the sole reason. That's also like, that's the, that's basically the correct line of uh, uh, reasoning that first uh, Russia attacked Ukraine and sub, uh, subsequently um, Finland decided to like obviously cut ties um, and and to... Um, join NATO. So um, basically, Finland joining NATO is is a consequence, not 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 a reason for um, the current kind of um, entire like entirely cutting ties between between the two countries. Um, I think that the people who were most anxious about Finland becoming uh, like a playground of uh, Russian 
uh, aggression uh, because over this NATO bid were like not not Finns because uh, we have kind of like a very uh, fairly um, good idea of what um, what our eastern neighbor is capable of and and how we should uh, be prepared. Um, so basically, also. Um, Russia already like one week ago, Russia already uh, cut off the, the um, electricity supply to Finland, uh, the, the exports that were going to Finland. Um, that Your was lights bit... are still on. Yeah, exactly. My lights are still on and it was it was not a problem because uh, you have because... better Internet than I do at the moment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as you can see, like uh, life continues and and um, no one's panicking. Everyone's like sleeping peacefully, except for myself. Um, so basically, um, the electricity thing wasn't a big deal because um, Finland only exported, uh, uh, imported like around ten percent uh, of the whole uh, electricity consumption from Russia, and. Um, Basically, it's not really exaggerated to say that Finland has been preparing for another Russian attack all its history, because we have just like a lot of history of being attacked by the Russians. Uh, so it's basically always been like uh, a major factor in, in the security policy and geopolitical calculations of Finland. So Finland never like got really dependent on Russian energy in the first place, like, of course, um, it is a very like temptingly cheap alternative, as the Germans very well know. Uh, but we never got ourselves into that kind of bind. Um, so, as I said, electricity was only ten percent, and it has um, already basically like it was no problem to uh, replace that from from the Nordic electricity market or uh, or from the Baltics. And um, thanks to investments in uh, wind energy and and a new uh, nuclear power plant finland is estimated to become actually self-sufficient uh, next year already potentially so that was not a big deal and the gas um, natural gas <laughs> is not a very big deal either because it uh, amounts to only like approximately five percent of the whole energy uh, portfolio so um yes of course like Natural gas is a bit more difficult to um, replace than, for example, electricity because uh, because of uh, the inflexibility of the of the networks. But um, or oil. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, oil is actually also a bit easier to move. Uh, yeah, on exactly. The world markets, Na yeah. Natural yeah. gas is hard. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's it depends on the pipelines. But anyways, there are like. Now there are like two LNG terminals in Finland and, and another one will open in October. We also we, uh, actually today's news was that we uh, are getting a lease from the US for uh, an LNG terminal ship or something. Um, I'm, I'm not really like into the details, but that could actually work out like rather fast. I think that was one of the results of the visit of um, Nienister and Anderson in, uh, in the US. So everything looks quite good, like the, the security, uh, security of supply is um, anyways um, um, secured for the coming summer months. And there are some variables still uh, that need to be figured out for the winter. But everything looks very promising that it won't be really a problem. The only problem will be the, the rising, uh, rising, uh, rising prices, uh, which um, will be, of course, like very... Uh, very uh, strongly felt in Finland, but um, at least so far, there's like, I mean, let's see how the situation develops until the next winter. But right now, there's like a very strong solidarity with Ukraine and a very strong sense of purpose um, in cutting off uh, energy ties to Russia and that the Finns are more like no price is too high to pay for this. Um, so, yeah. so I want to ask about the psychological qualities of the NATO alignment, um, you know, from a from a U.S. perspective, Finland is kind of a, a a sui generis example because people are kind of at least people who uh, know anything about Soviet history have an awareness of Finland's uh, unique situation. But there's always a with respect to Sweden, there's always a a kind of a puzzlement at, among Americans, uh, and I'm certainly one, um, you know, on the one hand, you have these two very stalwart Scandinavian NATO members, Denmark and, and Norway, and then you have sort of staunchly neutral Sweden 
that has kind of a, uh, a, a sort of an active neutrality despite not having the, the Finnish uh, uh, menace uh, of, from the Soviets. Um, where, where does this, this Swedish commitment to neutrality come from and how, how big a change is it for both Finland and Sweden to uh, sort of look at this situation and say, no, we're, we're actually changing 70 years of policy uh, or in, in Sweden's case more because it was neutral during World War II as well. Uh, like this seems like a big psychological shift. Yeah, it is indeed. Like especially for Sweden, it's actually uh, the the this neutrality narrative goes back two hundred years. So, um, and I'm I'm calling it a narrative because first of all, neutrality isn't really accurate anyways. It's more like non-alignment. Like even during the 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 Cold War, it's maybe more accurate to speak of non-alignment than neutrality. I will get back to that in a second. But basically, for Sweden. Um, or maybe the main uh, difference between the two countries was that for Finland, um, security policy and national security has always been um, like a very pragmatic question. Um, or the approach has been very pragmatic, like basically whatever option uh, maximizes Finnish security is the best. And, and there's there's not much like ideology, ideology about it. It's like this, this, this whole non-alignment uh, was a good course um, until now. And now it isn't and and in this pragmatic way the Finns decided okay it's time to cash in the NATO option maybe you've heard of this um, quite peculiar policy uh, that Finland used to have this uh, called NATO option it was this idea that because basically in Finland the the, the NATO membership has been uh, debated since 1995 when Finland joined the EU um, and the idea of the NATO option was that like we have we keep this option open so that we can kind of like cash it in where if or like when she hits the fan because basically the ex expectation has always been there that it might become necessary at some point um and that's what finland was also and also sweden were both like actively working towards um since the 90s with like the closest possible uh, partnership with NATO just below the threshold of membership. So that like in case like this, that you actually need to need to uh, seek membership, that it can at least go as fast as possible from our part. It's operationally so, easy. Exactly, exactly. So that has been the idea. And uh, coming back to the, the Swedish case, it was more maybe a, a little bit of an identity crisis for Sweden because of this, um, as you described, this very strong like foreign policy identity as, uh, of, or this narrative of neutrali neutrality. Um, but basically, if you look closer, it was more of a narrative than a reality even during the Cold War. So it has uh, come out that Sweden actually, like besides ha having had quite close um, a partnership with or, or ties to the US, uh, Sweden actually had like secret uh, security guarantees from the US as well during the Cold War. So in, in that sense, again, like if you just like, kind of like look at the facts and not at this narrative and this identity, it's not such a big deal, actually. Uh, so there there has been this like very strong element of continuity, continuity in both cases. Um, for Finland, it's been like, and both have like, especially since the 90s, since the end of the Cold War, both have worked towards this like closest possible partnership. So at this point, it's more of a question of um, formalization, really. And one, one important thing to know about Finland and Sweden is that these two countries always come in a pair. So <laughs> you don't get one without the other. It was the same with the EU. And now it's again the same. So <laughs> can I ask, can I ask a naive question, which is like, why is it that like those two countries come in pairs versus like any of the other Scandinavian countries? Well, I mean, the whole Nordic club is a pretty like close one. Uh, there's this um, um, Nordic uh, defense corporation called Nordefco as well, uh, and and the Nordic corporation goes back to uh, like started already like um, after the World War and the Second World War, and um, and so that's basically like the main reference framework uh, for all the Nordic countries. Like it predates 
EU membership for for the the Nordic countries that are EU members, and that also kind of explains why that is always also the like primary identity, uh, and and not for example a European one for the Nordic countries, and which is sometimes hard to understand from a like more central or a Western European perspective maybe. Um, anyways, so Sweden and Finland. I mean, Finland used to be part of Sweden for a really long time. And it was like, it was kind of like the, the eastern part of the kingdom. And they still uh, sometimes like lovingly <laughs> call us that. Uh, that we're still like the, the eastern half of the kingdom, uh, which like is absolutely no hard feelings for us because there's this like kind of like really cozy, like almost kind of like state friendship, if you can call it that. Like there's this really close coordination. Like um, Finland and Sweden don't have like, for example, embassies in every country of the world. So uh, Finns and Swedes can always go to to one of the embassies. Like it doesn't really matter if it's the Swedish or the the Finnish one. The Finnish heads of government or and Swedish um, heads of government also like um, represent each other at EU meetings, like if if need be. So um, there's just a lot of history between the two countries, and and also being two non-aligned countries, um, they have um, Sweden and Finland have developed a very very close defense cooperation, defense and security cooperation as well in the past year. So, but I I was under the impression I thought the the Swedish coverage of the Finnish NATO uh, accession was really interesting. I, um, and correct me if I understood this incorrectly but I, I i i sort of like so the 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 major swedish newspaper covered it as you know finland is the big brother uh uh joins nato and this is a kind of role reversal i think role reversal joke because sweden i, Entirely, I think it yeah. thinks of itself as the senior partner and it's Absolutely. a it's a much bigger economy it's a bigger it's twice the population and Finns speak Swedish, but Swedes don't speak Finnish. Is there a, you know, is, is there a, 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 is there not a sort of a, a little bit of kind of resentment in the relationship as well? Absolutely, of course. I mean, it's like this kind of uh, loving resentment, I'd say. Like, there's this uh, absurd competition, which is mostly on the Finnish part, I think. <laughs> uh, there's this joke that the Finns are always, like, obsessing over Sweden, and the Swedes don't really care. And, <laughs> and, and so that, like, you can imagine, like, what a like great national win it was to have that headline in Finnish and Swedish newspaper calling Finland the big brother. Like we will never ever forget that. It was like amazing. Um, so, and we will always come back to that with Sweden uh, whenever they try to take the lead again. Because uh, if, if you look at, for example, the, the, the EU accession process, it was exactly the other way around. So Sweden was kind of like taking the lead and, and, and pulling Finland uh, with it into the EU and and this time it was exactly the opposite so Finland kind of hijacked their Swedish debate on, on, on NATO and and then like Sweden didn't really debate about anything else anymore except that like whether or not they should go along with Finland to NATO and, and there was and, this and narrative just, yeah and that's just because Finland has the thousand mile border with Russia and Sweden doesn't, right? It's, I mean, uh, yeah. it, it, there's, I believe my geography is correct. There is actually no Russo-Swedish border, right? No, it's, no, it's not anymore. It connects since in Finland Norway is, on top, right? Yeah, exactly. Since uh, Finnish independence uh, or since uh, Sweden first lost Finland to Russia and, and Finland then gained independence, there hasn't been a direct border anymore. But I think it has a like kind of, um, I mean, it sounds maybe a bit weird because it's like goes way back, like several hundreds of years. But like the Swedish Kingdom and, and the Empire of Russia or different like state formations of Russia were like all the time at war with each other, like literally all the time, like every century, like several times. And Finland, of course, as part of the Swedish Kingdom. So there is still like actually this like uh, a long, long history of wars between Sweden and Russia, like not very recently, not in the past 200 years, but there is this history. Um, so I want to kind of bring up the fact that there was this, um, we had this incredible scholar talking on the show, I think back in the end of February, when all of this kind of like 
Russia's invasion of Ukraine happened, um, Constance Steisenmuller, um, who was speaking about Germany's dependence in energy on Russia. And so I'm kind of very interested in like how this is switched. Did I freeze or did? No, I think Kate froze. Oh, um, no. <laughs> uh, Kate froze mid question. And I. Damn, uh, that's not. <laughs> um, so, uh, do you have. Uh, I, I'm not sure I understand. I'm not sure I, we got enough of the question for you to address it, but uh, do you have thoughts on the subject? <laughs> on German energy dependence on Russia. Oh, yes, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Go for um, it. Well, I mean. Um, it's been interesting to watch how how this like German um, economic miracle and all this like the German position within Europe and within the EU has kind of like unraveled the past months. It's been quite uh, dramatic. Um, for example, looking at um, like from a Finnish perspective or or a Nordic one, is Kate back? Not yet. Oh, I don't no. think okay. so. Okay, so now it's just the two of us. Okay, so uh, basically, um, I think that's like one of the the biggest differences, for example, between Finland and Germany. Like in Finland, literally, literally everything has security policy implications. Like all, like no matter what it is, whether it's like infrastructure, uh, like all kinds of policies, like everything is somehow security political, uh, or or has like security policy implications. Hello. We have Thomas Silvis here. <laughs> nice, great. Uh, finish your point, and then we'll, we'll we'll bring him in. This is this is awesome. Yeah. So uh, fin in Finland, everything is uh, somehow like related to security policy, and in Germany, nothing was like literally nothing had any security policy implications in the past. Yeah, they really years. believed. They really yeah. believed we were in a post-security. Uh, end of history. Uh, yes. End of history, and they acted Wandel like it. Handel, yes, it was like, yeah. A deliberate ignorance, yeah. Thomas, it's great to see you. It's been a while. Moi. Moi. Moi, moi. Well, occasionally I get to stay up late. For this, I stayed up. Are you in? Are you in Estonia or in Latvia? I'm in Estonia. Though Latvia is five hours away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. What's on your like mind? Interesting topic for me. I had a discussion uh, at uh, American Purpose with Alex Stubb yesterday, and so the whole thing is obviously interesting to Estonia because um, basically this whole impending event means uh, the Baltic Sea turns into a NATO lake which is a whole different scene from what it's been since at least we joined NATO when, uh, when we were this little protrusion into the Eurasian landmass ma that could be cut off easily through the Sawalki corridor between Belarus and, um, and Kaliningrad. And so now this, suddenly these discussions that have been going on for 30 years about strategic depth of the Baltic countries becomes just like, who cares, right? I mean, it's our lake, Mare Nostrum. <laughs> That's true. It's going to be a big change in the, in the Baltic Sea security architecture. Yeah, so how does that change? What, what does that change look like, realistically, Minna? Well, basically, we're looking at a situation where we will have like 32 NATO members, of which eight are Nordic or Baltic. Uh, that's like one fourth, um, and all of including us, including have... some of including some of the most combat ready. Exactly, like Finland, for example. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah F F Finland is one of relatively few countries that has actual combat experience against the so uh, against the Soviet Union or Russia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that it may mark a shift in the focus of NATO. Like, I mean, NATO is anyways, like, kind of returning to the roots, coming back to the roots of being, like, mainly a defense alliance that is there to deter Russia. 
um, if I can put it so bluntly. And um, and now with this uh, with these two new members, uh, it will finally like um, bring coherence uh, to the into the the Baltic Sea security architecture, which has been very fragmented so far, uh, which has hampered uh, cooperation to some extent so far. And and now we are now we have like this Nordic club um, with this already very very long tradition of, of cooperation, also very many like regional uh, defense cooperation uh, formats and initiatives. Um, and I don't think that there are other like regions, NATO regions, kind of or parts of NATO that have that that kind of integration uh, regionally. So I think that is a game changer potentially. It will like the, the the Nordic states and with the Baltics together, they will have like quite some say in NATO, I think, uh, because of, I, I mean, of course, <laughs> they won't challenge the US and nobody has an interest to, but I mean, I just mean that they're like, they're, they, they bring this focus on the Baltic Sea security and, and high North uh, security. Uh, into NATO way more strongly than so far. Um, so I think that is like, that will be a very interesting dynamic to watch um, once the accession process is is true. Yeah. Auntie, for some reason I can't activate your camera, but your mic is on and the floor is yours. Thank you guys. Uh, hey Minna. Moi moi. <laughs> So it's it's really great to see you here and Thomas as well. And Auntie, just so that you know, Mina, uh, I know about you because of because Auntie retweeted several of your tweets at me. <laughs> Auntie great. is is the is one of the I, the first Finn of In Lieu of Fun. He uh, has been with us. You've been with us almost since the beginning, right? I think. Uh, yeah, the first, uh, I think it was the first uh, corona, COVID autumn when I joined you guys. Okay, so six months in. But uh, yeah. uh, he is, we call the, the regular audience who talks in the chat the Greek chorus, and Auntie is <laughs> a, 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 a member in excellent standing of the Greek chorus and is the reason I know about your Twitter feed. Uh, thanks so much, Auntie. Like, this is great. <laughs> So uh, you're, you're, uh, you're you're you have a few questions. I did, but uh, I would also uh, like to because Thomas is here. Uh, he's, he, I would like to point out a small tidbit of history that, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the uh, interwar period, uh, it was the basic tenement of uh, Estonian uh, defense strategy that help would. Uh, have to arrive by sea from from the uh, democratic allied nations and uh, that was also always a bit of a problem uh, after uh, germany the status of germany changed and uh, now there is a potential that uh, things will be unlike they have never been in in finnish and estonian history to a certain extent at least yeah yeah just a comment but would you like to uh, respond to that? Uh, well, before there was a history of uh, Finnish volunteers fighting in the Estonian War of Independence a hundred years ago, and then uh, some uh, over two thousand Estonians were, were in Rügem in the Kaksisata or the Infantry Regiment exactly. two hundred, which fought in the Continuation War and especially uh, the Isthmus of Karelia. Uh, certainly where the bloodiest battles were. But then the history under Kekkonen was not so great. And no. Actually, I, would, I would ask a question. It wasn't so great return. for us either. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Mm. <laughs> but Kekkonen, would, for, would, for, for, the, for those not versed in the subject, was the uh, president of Finland uh, in the 50s and 60s, right? Even 70s. He canceled yeah, the in 1973. Okay. For 25 years. And even years. until 1981. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But my question, this is your, uh, about, uh, you know, Antti, what your impression is. I mean, one of the feelings I had about this very strong cooperation pushed for with the United States, and especially people like uh, the former foreign minister, Tuomioja, 
was that actually the real sentiment was we don't want to join NATO because God forbid we'd have to assist or come to the aid of those those pesky Russophobes in the Baltic countries. <laughs> and did you want to go first or? Well, I, I, I was hoping you would, but I, I, I certainly <laughs> can. I mean, uh, the, the thing that's more strongly in my mind is that Estonia has been putting us to shame with its such an active assistance to Ukraine, such an active stance in national security matters within the European and uh, general security architecture. I mean, uh, where, where are you used to call? Yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Why? Why is that? Like, why do you think that is? Is it a question of scale? I think uh, Thomas would be far better suited to answer that. But I think the one of the key things. Let is me bring him back to. Do I know. That. Well, yeah. I know. But like, but I. But this is one of the things that Thomas is like been wonderful about which is basically answering these types of questions and i'm sorry again for cutting out before um i don't know what's going on yeah it was your fault yeah um <laughs> sorry but um no but i was i was really like i had like a whole question that i'd formulated and everything but tomas like so i want to know like do you think that the questions that like the things that auntie's talking about like are like questions of scale or do you think that like the Finland's bigger than Estonia? It should we, go, go in the other direction. We've talked about this in a bunch of ways around like we've talked about this in like in ways like obviously like of like Estonia's like ability to kind of scale democracy democracy into like into into its voting schematic, for example. And this, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But like bravery has nothing to do with size, you know. Yes. Has to do yeah. with and is not strictly Estonia because actually the number two country in in uh, in contributions uh, percentage of GDP is Latvia followed by Poland and Lithuania. It's, it's that it's proximity. Um, well, it's not only proximity. It is that we are the countries in the European Union and NATO that have had real experience with the horrors that we see today in Bucha. And while, uh, while this is kind of something you read about for other people, uh, for those four countries, especially because of uh, the Soviets' uh, behavior in them with mass deportations and horrible crimes in the, in the 1940s, that it, when we read that, we see it all over again. And the whole impetus of I mean, what I pushed as a politician when I was one was that that happened then and now it's like different and we're going to digitize and become modern and get over the past. And then uh, like one of the founders of Skype called me up uh, right after Bucha saying, God, my, they, they did this to my grandfather. I mean, they're sort of tortured. And so it is like it brings everything back. And so that makes everyone hard line. Even our prime minister, the magnificent young prime minister we have, incredibly articulate, uh, her mother was the youngest deportee in 1949 to Siberia. I mean, she's actually lived, lived around the corner from here in southern Estonia. But so, I mean, all of this stuff comes back. And that's, I would say, the main reason why these countries are so tough because it mm. reminds us of all the stuff that you used to hear from your grandmother, you know? I mean, like they did this and you go like, yeah, okay, maybe. But this is now, that was then, they're different. And it turns out they're not. Exactly, I think. Short. Yeah, that's exactly the point that Finns, uh, like, luckily uh, lack this experience. Like we were lucky to escape from, from, from the Soviet uh, Union back, back in the Winter War. And I think there was a little bit similar, like West-splaining syndrome uh, in Finland, as there was, for example, in Germany towards the, the Germany's eastern neighbors um, in, um, in the Central and Eastern European countries. That Finland had this certain uh, superior attitude towards the Baltics, kind of like we were pretty 
sure that we knew Russia as as well as you can, and um, and and that we know what we're doing, and and there was more of this like we were way less like hawkish maybe and way less like I mean Finland has always been prepared but there was this like especially in the beginning of the 2000s there was this feeling like well maybe we can truly cooperate and of course like the Baltics would never fall into that kind of illusion um, but also so, like cooperate yeah. with what just like uh, Russia Russia Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, sorry. I always forget sure that it's not like... Yeah, I was like, I'm like, with NATO, with Russia, yeah. like, I was just like trying to sure. kind of like follow that down. Sure. So, so Auntie, you had a, had a few specific questions. I, I did, yes. Uh, uh, so, basically, um, Minna, how do you think uh, the Arctic Council will function after Finland and Sweden have joined NATO? Well, it will be very interesting because then like uh, seven of eight members will be NATO uh, members, um, everyone except Russia. And of course, Russia is not really like Russia has been Russia has been excluded right now, like from all multinational fora. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult because basically um, in the Arctic region, um, like half of it is basically in Russian territory and and there can be no like meaningful kind of like governance without Russia like there has to be some kind of way to like get Russia on board on like climate stuff and and um, so on but this security situation will of course not allow that for any like time being um, so I think it's gonna be very difficult maybe there will be some kind of like nordic arctic um thing like without russia i mean the cooperation will continue without russia um but it's just not the same in the sense that like the territory the arctic territory in the in the north nordic or like canadian and and all the rest um u.s territory is just like it's only half of <laughs> half of what Russia has, so it's a real di a dilemma, and um, I'm I'm like a bit concerned about that situation in the Arctic because um, there's so much escalation potential with all the nuclear capacity Russia has in the Kola Peninsula and all that. So, very tricky question. Your next question. Yeah. So actually. I would like to uh, finish uh, Thomas's question because I think it's much more interesting. Uh, Go for it. So the uh, Orland Islands, do you do you think uh, what will happen to its demilitarized status when when we join NATO? What do you think? Um, I think it will be. So, so so give listeners a little bit of background. All right. Wow. They, they know you're not from the Orland Islands. But, <laughs> yeah, but they don't uh, know what the islands are. But they don't know what the islands are, or they shouldn't necessarily. Exactly. So, so give yeah, a little bit right. of background to, to the understand reminder. the question. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Orland Islands are a group of uh, islands uh, between Finland and Sweden, and they belong officially to Finland, um, but they have like autonomy and they are also uh, like demilitarized. Uh, area and that's been like uh, enshrined in international law and um, back when 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 it was decided that they they will be part of Finland and um, so it's it's an entirely Swedish speaking uh, part of Finland and um, yeah so honestly I think that um, the de demilitarized status probably won't be changed because it's um, it, I don't think it's necessary uh, in any way for the Finnish NATO membership and um, I trust that um, the Finnish defense forces are capable of uh, defending Orland Islands in any case, and that there is not necessarily a need for um, like military bases or anything like that. It would maybe depend on like just in case that the Orland Islands like requested it themselves, maybe then that status could be changed, but. Um, Honestly, I'm also not so well informed about the politics of the Holland Islands, but I'm going to go there this summer and do some field work. So let's see. And your your then your name will make more sense. Exactly. Then I finally know where it's from. So yeah. 
Itamar, the floor is yours. But you have to unmute yourself, sir. Classic. Uh, could I have uh, two questions as well? Ah, sure. Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, my question was uh, about the uh, Swedish uh, Finnish relationship that you mentioned. And it sounded kind of like historically there was a bit of a client state relationship in that like Sweden had in the past been kind of dominant to Finland. And I'm curious, uh, how have they kind of patched things up and formed a, a close relationship when this isn't necessarily the norm? Well, I'd say that it was uh, more like, um, I mean, Finland was just part of Sweden and pretty chill about it, actually. Like there were no like uh, attempts to gain independence during that time. It was not like a very bad time in Finnish history and so on. Uh, actually, the interesting part about it is like uh, Sweden, uh, Finland switched hands after the Finnish war in 1809 uh, to Russia, when actually France somehow kind of like mediated and 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 helped Russia get. Whoops! Oh no! This is. Uh, is that what happened to me? That too? is exactly what happened to you, except you froze, um, and then did that um uh this is uh uh it's it's, mo it's really frustrating man like it's not great well uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get her back i think kumas um, is like over cackling about his incredible incredible internet connection in estonia um but uh itamar uh what was your second question going to be i'm kind of curious well i have a third question is that your new apartment <laughs> uh no it is not my new apartment uh but good but good question close it is close it is it is close to my new apartment but uh what is the second question uh i i wanted to know about the the finnish hungarian relation i don't know if they have a closer one but the finnish language and the hungarian languages are kind of islands and so i'm curious if there that has helped them form any relationship I, uh, so Finna, Finnish and Hungarian are extremely distantly related. Um, uh, and I think it is a matter of some dispute among linguists, uh, uh, how, uh, you know, how long ago they separated, but it's, it's, it's quite a while you know, they are not closely related like Finnish and Estonian are. Um, gotcha. Okay, Minna seems to be back. And let's, uh, let's get her back. Um, no shame. No shame. Were you talking shit about me while I was gone? Of course. <laughs> I thought so. Um, I figured. I figured, like, Kate, God, she's so... She's so unreliable with her internet but yeah like, it's and it, you know internet <laughs> fails fails are all uh oh she's mina says she's been here the whole time um but i'm having trouble getting her I, on I screen see david h in my lower corner but i don't see me yes so now i've dismissed her and now i'm inviting her again let's try this once more um Yes, uh, so Tomas says no, Estonian and Finnish are very close, but Hungarian is quite different. And that's, I thought that's what I had said, but I, I it's certainly what I meant to say. Um, I like, I, oh God. Do you ever think that it would be, are you good at geography, Ben? Reasonably so. Um, I mean, but, like, because one of the things that I'm really bad at is geography, and it's actually like, I think that geography is understated as a as a as a mashup of both maps and cultural history. Uh, I think that like you could really understand geography as much more about history than like I think most people do. And okay, uh, I need to talk to Mina for a second. I know that's um, what I'm talking. So uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> I I need to talk through this system because she oh, can apparently oh, hear me. Um, Mina, I've invited up. Oh, there's another 
Oh, there we go. I think I got her now. Um, let's see if that worked. And I'm going to have to make it short. Yeah, because we uh, still have to get to uh, David's David. question. Um, we, we already covered my questions. All right, like, then we're uh, going to get gonna... then we're going to get rid of you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You can my chapstick from Sweden. Uh, there she is. Hi. So I was all the time like listening to you guys, but like. The videos yep, were gone. That's what happened. Yeah, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, right. Anyway, you were in the middle of a sentence when you turned into a pumpkin. What? Uh, <laughs> do you remember what you were talking about? I think oh, the, the Swedish-Finnish relationship. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the point was that basically, like, being part of Sweden wasn't such a bad time for Finland, uh, like in retrospect, uh, at least compared to what came after, namely being part of Russia, and and being part of Russia for like approximately 100 years prompted actually Finland to to attempt gaining independence and and we managed to do that in 1917 and basically there was this like idea uh, that like we are not Swedes we will not become Russians let us be Finns and that's like the story of Finnish independence but basically there are no hard feelings towards the the, the Swedish like not not really it's like this kind of ice hockey competitive uh, relationship uh, but but like really there's just like so much in common uh, between the two countries and and so much cooperation um it's just like i don't know it's just like very tight <laughs> it's interesting that it hasn't developed as a kind of post-colonial relationship in in uh in the way that a lot of similar relationships around the world have a kind of post-colonial quality to them that doesn't seem to exist among nordic countries yeah. david you get the last question this evening. So uh, my question is, so uh, Erdogan has threatened twice to veto Finland and, Sw and Sweden's entry into NATO. Is that threat serious? So um, unfortunately, I'm no expert on Turkey or Turkish, like especially domestic uh, politics. Um, my understanding so far is that Erdogan is after a deal. And that is not only about Finland and Sweden, like not only about like negotiating um, with bilaterally with Finland and Sweden, but especially the US that basically they want F-35s so or whatever. Um, uh, that's what I've understood so far. Um, and 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 that it's also it has also this like domestic uh, dimension, apparently, like there are elections coming up next year or sometime. And, and they are kind of like using this um, whole um, terrorist like terrorist support allegations that are like a bit weird. Like I think um, little brother Sweden didn't do uh, his homework as well as Finland did like beforehand. They, they were not quite as active um, diplomatically, I think, um, as Finland was like because they were kind of like just trying to catch up with the with the with Finland, like the, like the pace of Finland, like actually already striding into NATO. So maybe they, they didn't quite like catch up with everything um, but my impression is that Erdogan is like trying to um, show some like domestic strength and, and show that he's, he's he's a strong leader to be reckoned with and that he can actually shake up NATO uh, and so on and I think it's wrong to assume that it's like kind of just Putin telling him to do that or something because that like gives Russia too much credibility and and Turkey too little. I think that Turkey has its own agency in this whole business and it, it's, it's playing its own game. And Turkey um, and Erdogan always wants something for not getting in the way of something else. And exactly. He, he knows that he knows that the U.S. and NATO needs in Sirlik, needs Turkish cooperation on a whole lot of things and the Turks are the most significant military in NATO other than the United States, at least at least south of of, you know, for certainly for a general purpose military, um, yeah. except maybe now the Ukrainians who aren't who aren't <laughs> in NATO, but eventually will be. Um, you know, he knows he's essential. And so he he just says, no, I'm not going to allow it. And he gets he'll get something in return for ba backing down on that. And that's, um, uh, I mean, it's obnoxious, but it's a pretty smart play, I think. You could say that, I guess, yeah. 
What has the German reaction been? Your 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 other country. Um. <laughs> no, this was this, and sorry, this was also. Yeah. I don't know if Ben got to read it. I texted it to him, but like I was like trying to get back online. But like, um, I'm really interested in the German reaction to all of this in the midst of like everything that you're talking. Yeah. So basically, um, the Germans are very easily. Um, get really easily scared of the, the nuclear threat. So th there has been a lot of like uh, guessing going on, like where could the red lines be uh, for Mr. P and could Finnish uh, NATO accession be that red line? Well, obviously it isn't. Uh, like Russia's uh, reactions have been pretty tame so far. It looks like they've kind of accepted it. I mean, we do assume that they will do some mean stuff at some point, like mean stuff is what we talk about in Finland. Um, um like not more not less um but the germans oh, wait. are like so wait hmm? when you say mean you don't you mean like average yeah i mean we expect some hybrid uh this uh like disturbing stuff and hybrid um yeah well all, all the, the like russia has quite some repertoire in in the hybrid sphere so we we actually expected a lot more of that already do you uh, like understand the double meaning of mean in the u.s in like in, in like in english which is like mean is like evil and cruel and then mm -hmm. mean is also average yeah i mean that's like actually like a pretty yeah now that you pointed out yeah it's actually a really good description then like because i was kind of like lacking the the substance of what like president Ninista said how he described it because it sounds like really funny actually in in finnish like how he said it and that has been picked up by by all the all the media to so, describe, but the, but the yeah. translation is mean stuff. Yeah, to, well, to describe mean things, mean things hi hybrid bullying. hybrid uh, warfare bullying. I'm going to use yeah. that in English. Yeah, yeah, so that's like I I think that that's kind of what I mean is that so it's average. Also, mean yeah, meaning exactly. like means like it means to like say something like um, what I intend. Um, and that's what I intend is to basically uh, expose the fact that the the word mean has like multiple like exactly. balances, including in, English. in British English they use it to mean stingy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in like we don't but, use it that but, way. But like, but my point here is that like the, the I was trying to understand how you were using it, and I was like, I think that yeah, she's sure. using it in this mathematical sense, which is like average. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, you could also totally, yeah, I mean, that could yeah, also totally, like, like it actually kind of hits the point. So that's a good, good, uh, good one. Um, so the Germans have been like, uh, basically, I have been doing a lot of interviews in German, uh, in Germany, because um, there is, first of all, like, very, very little knowledge of the, the of, of Finland in particular, but also in general of the Nordics, like, it's not really the, very... Well, there's not a lot of knowledge about the countries and their situation. Of course, there's like even less knowledge about the security policy situation and, and the secu security policies of these countries. Uh, That's interesting. They're your neighbors. They should, they should, they're just across the water from you. They should have yeah, a sense but, of what but you... but Germans don't even really have a proper sense of being at the Baltic Sea, that they, they also have a stake <laughs> in the security of this sea. Like, we have to start at that, you know, like, they, they just like... That is the amount of like ignoring security policy in Germany. They also have a kind of maritime blindness, I think. Um, so that's, that's old. Yeah, so that's where we start uh, from, and and um, so there's been like a lot of like concern about like like where's the red line for escalation? Like when will like when will Putin decide to push the red button and and that's been basically it and i've been trying to like do a lot of like explaining work like kind of like calming them down and being like this won't be it just don't worry like it, it's it's okay that's basically been a, like big part of the reaction in germany like this fear of nuclear reaction or retaliation it's so interesting yeah no. Thank you. We we have kept you up until one in the morning. It's going to be dawn in a you're, in a few minutes. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, Thanks you were so great for having me. You're a great American, um, and uh, come back and join us anytime. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This we will. Questions.
We will be back on Monday. I have no idea who our guest is going to be. I, I, it's Memorial Day. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll do something. We'll Isn't say some Memorial stuff. Day? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, that's next week. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. Okay, sorry. Um, but that'll be then. This is now. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. But in lieu of fun, we are allowed to have two new members of NATO very soon with God's permission and Erdogan's permission. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's pretty cool. That doesn't happen every day. So uh, welcome, welcome to the club. We'll, we'll teach you the secret handshake in a few.